Welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things. I am the aforementioned Max and welcome to another week of my ramblings. I hope everyone has been staying safe and, you know, still wearing their masks and shit like that because you know why. Any hooser, let's get into it. The Grammys happened on Sunday and the best reggae album went to a bunch of white boys from VA. (laughs) Apparently this marks the third time in the history of this award that it has gone to a non-Jamaican act. And this pile of white boys from Virginia who go by the name Soja, which is an acronym for Soldiers of Jaws Army. Um, okay. Um... They uh, (laughs) won and everybody gagged as you would expect. And um, they apparently just decided one day they were going to do a reggae band and went to Jamaica for the very first time in their entire lives in 2015. I think this is after they formed the band. (laughs) And um, let's just say people didn't respond well to it. Me personally, I think it's a Babylon thing, but that's whatever. I mean, I'm not a Grammy voter, so I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. But basically, these guys beat out like Spice and Sean Paul and a whole bunch of other actual Jamaican acts for a reggae award. Sure. I guess this counts as diversity, right? Like reverse diversity. I don't really know, but I guess that's a thing now. But yeah, in other news with that, uh, Silk Sonic cleaned house the way you thought they would. And um, John Baptiste cleared out what was left. And finally, 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 Jasmine Sullivan won two Grammys for her work with Hotels, which was the poppinest album last year and way past due for her. Um, Because she really was like the Susan Lucci of this shit. She'd been nominated prior to this like 12 times and lost every single time. And that's just egregious. But also, also, Louis C.K., who'd been canceled, remember? Won a Grammy for his um comedy album. An album in which he claimed the women who made claims against him for being a fucking creep were just engaging with his kink and everybody was with it. Um, okay. But tell me more about that cancel culture, though. It's 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 fucking lives up, B. Fucking things up. Anyway, in other news, Amazon's getting unionized. You love to see it. They're getting unionized by with the assistance of a dude who they fired two years ago and decided they were going to do a smear campaign against him because, you know, he's he was obviously he's black and he um. He got goals in his mouth and he wear do rag, so you know he don't got no sense. So they literally were like, "Oh, he's dumb, he's illiterate, nah, inarticulate," and but now he's popping champagne in front of y'all's headquarters because they've unionized the Staten Island location, warehouse location, and I hope that this is the beginning of a run on unionization for them. I I want them to feel <laughs> the pain. <laughs> I want them to feel all of the. I just want them to, you know, get it. But, you know, they could also do what they do and spend like, I think they spent like stupid money on defending themselves against unionization. 
like I want to say like something like 30 million. Don't quote me though. But you know, Space Dicks McGee could just pay everybody a living wage and never feel an ounce of pain because he's a fucking billionaire. A walking policy failure if there ever was one. But, you know, whatever. Just jump on your space dick and go to the sun, you fucking wanker. Anyway, um, he's not going to stop union busting. And he's going to throw more more good money behind bad. Now, you can't say it's good money because, as a friend of mine said, I think someone else said it too, behind, um, behind, hmm, let me see. Behind every wealthy person is a big crime. Something like that. But you you get where I'm going. Anyway, fuck that dude and his fucking space dick. Um, <clears throat> they've got, they're getting Will Smith out of here for now, anyway. Two of his movies have been shelved. Um, they stopped work on um, Bad Boys 4, which nobody asked for. Like, we didn't need three, to be honest. But, you know, whatever. Um, so they're, they're getting him out of here. But they're going to sit this shit out, you know, once the the whole thing blows over. Because money over everything. Because the the brother's a fucking money-making machine. You know, cats just like to do the thing where they dogpile on a cat. So they can call them all kind of niggas without calling them niggas. Or, like, be like, I thought he was one of the good ones. But it's a, just a nigger. <laughs> So they just kind of run run amok for a while and then they get bored and they find some other shiny racist thing to go do and, you know, cats get back on their feet. Like, it's not like my man is is, is about to be destitute or nothing. So he'll be fine. He'll keep, he'll keep all his money and he'll get back to making movies where he's running and yelling soon enough. Um, in other news, today... Ketanji Brown-Jackson is our newest Supreme Court Justice. Congratulations and God bless because she is moving into by far what will probably be the most toxic work environment she's ever worked in. (laughs) By far. Can you imagine going to work and having to deal with Justice Beer and Justice Ruckus? Justice Ruckus especially. You know because he doesn't have the decency to just go die. He is going to make life for that sister fucking intolerable. But, you know, she's, she's, I'm certain, I mean, after the gauntlet that she ran during her confirmation hearings with all these lessers talking crazy to her, like, you know how she's just going to have to have grace under fire, which, I mean, they could just leave her alone. But we know for certain the massage and war is coming from inside the house. God bless her. Keep her safe. Because baby, she gonna need it. Um, And that's pretty much it for the uh, chatty chat portion of this whole thing. <laughs> this week on the podcast, I have a writer, a, a podcaster, a fly girl, a sometimes blogger the whole kit and caboodle uh tatiana richardson is joining me today on the pod to talk about her work as a romance writer so i'm looking forward to that discussion i hope you guys are too and it's coming up in two seconds Today on the podcast i have a fiction writer who specializes in romance Uh, a podcaster she is the co-host of romance and color 
uh, which used to be a place to talk all things Hallmark and holiday movies, which sounds amazing. Um, and it has evolved into a podcast dedicated to the discussion of the intersection of race and romance in movies, television, books, and all facets of pop culture. She is a sometimes blogger from Atlanta, Georgia, and a makeup maven, a look slayer, and my soror. <laughs> Please welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things, Tatiana Richardson. <laughs> Thank you, Max. You're welcome. Slayer. I don't know about that, but I do my best. You be doing it. You be doing it. No need to. <laughs> no need to pretend. You <laughs> gonna if, if you gonna do something, you gonna give a look. Okay. You gonna give true. us. You gonna give us a face card that is always valid. Yes, yes. Face card will not decline. Will not decline. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I'm glad to have you on, and it is ridiculous that this is the first time we've spoken, even though we've Crazy. been e friends for f- a fresh. Yo, probably over 15 years because I was gonna say that about 15 years. Yeah, this is wow. We, we met when we were all getting married. <laughs> we're all getting married. But when I was getting married the first time. Oh, co- correct. <laughs> that is I've, been, correct. I've been married twice, but that's okay. Because second time around is is always this is good. So facts. good. Big facts. <laughs> Amen to second chances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm so happy to have you here and I can't wait to get your answers to my questions. And my first question is, what do you do and why do you do it? What do I do and why do I do it? Um, uh, In my day job to make money, Mm -hmm. I am a higher ed administrator. I've been that doing that for almost 17 years now. Um, It's, it's, I love helping kids. I love helping people get through the process of graduation and seeing them, you know, get their caps and gowns and masters and PhDs, particularly um, underserved minority students. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm also my other job is that I am a romance writer. Um, I've been doing that probably seriously professionally five years, but I've always written since I can remember. Awesome. Um, and uh, I started the podcast almost three and a half years ago, right before oh. the pandemic started. Mm. Um, my friend Yakini and I, um, one of my closest friends I've known for like 20 years, we decided we wanted a place where we could talk trash about Hallmark and mm-hmm. <laughs> Lifetime and stuff, right? So, but then it kind of evolved into, you know, all things romance, about race and, and sexuality and stuff like that. So Dope. those are my primary jobs of, of what I do besides being a mom, being a wife, and uh, a sister, a friend, a soror, all that good stuff. So yeah, nice. those are all the things that I do that awesome. are that are me. <laughs> so how did you get started um, in your, your industry? I guess that's always the question in your industry. How did you get started? Um... I think I, <clears throat> I think I focus on the romance writing because being a higher ed administrator is boring. <laughs> um, I, I've been doing that a long time, and there's really nothing exciting about it. It's it's, it's glorified paper pushing. Um, but I will say, romance writing for me is interesting because I went to college. I went to Clark Atlanta University. I got a degree in English, mm. and I got my master's in writing and editing. And I thought at the time I was going to move to New York. And get a job in publishing well at that time it was right after 9-11 Whew, the market was t- 
Yes, girl. It was bad, bad, bad. Jobs were just not there. Yeah. Um, people were saying, oh, the ebook um, and ebooks and Kindles. And at the time, I think it was like the Nook or whatever. You know, ebooks are going to ruin publishing. So there's not going to be any jobs, which we, you know, 20 years later, we realized that's not the case. Hi. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of put all my dreams of writing or even working in publishing to the back burner. And that's how I got into higher ed, just happenstance. And so shortly after I had my daughter, um, I was also in a PhD program and I was like totally unhappy. I was, I had postpartum depression. I lost my mom, a whole bunch of stuff. And I couldn't go on. I didn't feel supported in my PhD program. And I was like, you know, it's not what makes me happy. I had to do a lot of soul searching. And at the time I was supposed to be like, <laughs> I was supposed to be writing my dissertation, mm-hmm. but I couldn't do that. But I did write like two romance manuscripts in the meantime, when I was supposed to be doing academic things. Oh, wow. And so I said, okay, I think I might have something. It was, a little rough. It was very rough around the edges. Um, but I was like, I think I have something here. And so I sent it out to a few friends. And they were like, yeah, you know, friends who are in the, some in the industry, some of them aren't. They were like, yeah, I think there's something there, but I think you need to still kind of hone your skills. So I was like, if I'm going to take this seriously, I need to surround myself with the right folks to take it seriously. So a friend of mine um, that I met through Twitter was like, you should join this group, um, Inclusive Romance Project. And I joined it. And um at the time I had joined like Romance Writers of America mm-hmm. and all these other things, but I still didn't feel like there was a place for me because those groups are constantly filled with older white mm-hmm. women. <clears throat> and so I was like, you know, I don't feel supported here. I don't feel seen here. I need mm-hmm. to find like my people basically. Right. And right. so um, Karma Kelly, who is a, a paranormal romance writer, she started this group for women and marginalized identities uh, to come together who are interested in romance and sci-fi romance fantasy any of that um and then I just started honing my craft it got much better at it um in the meantime I started the podcast so those two worlds kind of came together and really helped me uh, so that I was able to like meet other writers interview other writers talk to them about what their process was which in turn helped me with my process and then joining the group and meeting all these other people also helped me kind of hone my craft and stuff. So seriously, I've been at going pretty hard for the past four years because I said when I turned 40, I didn't want any regrets. I wanted to do what I said I wanted to do and set out mm. to do what I wanted to do. So yeah, yeah, that's that's how I pretty much got started in in, in that part of my life. But yeah. Dope. That is dope. And I've noticed that, well, I, well, with the Romance Writers of America, I remember when they, I, I, you saying that it's like filled with older white women writers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was all I needed to know as to why they had all the beef that they had not long ago. Yeah, yeah. That controversy about the lack of inclusion and diversity, which is ironic because the woman, one of the women who started the Romance Writers of America, Vivian Stevens, was Black. So it's oh, just wow. like, you know. They just wrote her out the history. Yeah, just wrote her out the history. People forget that she even, you know, was there from the beginning. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 
people were like, you know, this isn't cool. There'll be like romance awards and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And people weren't represented. I'm not going to say I am i can't speak on it because I didn't renew my membership in it anymore. So I'm still kind of on the fence if I'm going to even continue. Right. But right. I will say under the leadership of a former romance writer, LaQuette, who is a Brooklyn girl, um, she was like, um, you know, she really wanted to change the nature and the helm of romance rise of america and mm-hmm. i think she did a wonderful job in her tenure she's no longer the president anymore mm-hmm. um but in her tenure she definitely uh tried to change the face of romance rise of america and try to get up under that controversy that they had um, right but you know still a work in progress um still a lot of controversies seem to come out daily <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in what we call romance landia <laughs> so um yeah it's it's it, it, it's wild but it's 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 like the wild wild west like you just kind of jump into it and see what happens I hear you I feel like that's yeah. most things like especially in industries where you know they don't expect us to show up and like as if there's no romance happening amongst black folks and brown folks and gay folks yes. and everybody else. like come yes. on now <laughs> like yes. we, we out here romancing to be <laughs> <laughs> Yes, totally romance. Yeah, maybe more than others, but yeah, we 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 definitely out here doing our thing. Right. And we definitely want to be seen and represented, and people want to see themselves when they read absolutely a, read a absolutely. romance. You know, because almost yeah. all of us who have any exposure to to romance, you know, it was always like the bodice ripper books and like the mm-hmm. big rippling chests and mm-hmm. the heaving, you and know, pink desire. <laughs> you know and it was like some you know um harlequin romances and all that type of stuff that's what everybody cut their teeth on and you know really I remember reading all that stuff being way too young to read all that stuff oh yeah reading it anyway but never seeing myself and like I was grown before I started to realize that there were writers in this genre that were out here doing it for a very long time and we just didn't Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, you know, they, they, instead of like, particularly in like mass markets and stuff, you know, the Barnes and Nobles, the big mm-hmm. places, the Walmarts, they'll put the African-American romance or the romance of color in those specialized sections versus having them all just be in the romance area. It's like the hair section can, anywhere yeah. you go. It's the black hair yeah. stuff and then there's everybody else. <laughs> my uh, One of my my uh, romance writer idols, Lisa Rain, she said it's in the ghetto. They put us in the ghetto, <laughs> in, the, in the romance ghetto. So, um, you know, she says, I don't want to be in the ghetto. I want to be in the mainstream. I want people to be able to pick up my book and and you know see me everywhere absolutely Mm -hmm. all right yeah yeah so my next question um what do you hope to achieve what does the final form for your career look like oh lord um I'm just a newbie I'm just I'm just starting out um three years is not just starting out though Three, but but people think publishing is instantaneous. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like it's not. that you can just, you know, even if you're doing self-publishing, that you can just put it out and bam. You mm-hmm. know, you go through edits, you go through rewrites, you go through this, you go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but revision. revision after revision and edit after editing, this, that, whatever. Um, and because I, you know, have a background in that, I'm familiar with what goes on. Uh, but for me, I think what I want. I don't necessarily want one of those, you know, if it's everybody says, oh, I want a writing career where I just could write full time and not have to have another job. Well, 
that's not always realistic. <laughs> right, right. Um, most writers also have full-time jobs, believe it or not. Even the most successful of them have full-time jobs. They're doing something. They're consulting. They're doing this. They're doing that. Something. Um, for me, happiness and, and it's in, in the full form of what I do would probably just be happy, being happy with what I produce mm-hmm. and having a dedicated fan base who are interested in what I have to say and want to read the things that I want to produce. Mm. So I think that for me, that's what the final form of what I, I want to do would look like, you know, just overall happiness, a modicum of success and a dedicated fan base to just, you know, be there to, um, you know, be interested in the words I say and mm-hmm. and, and want to, you know, share with other people. Hopefully, you know, my dream is like, I want to be somebody's book club pick, you know? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, you, you know, know the, you know, that would be lit because, you know, Sora yeah. would show up. They'd be like, oh, did you see this? Oh, my God, Sora. Yeah. Oh, you know it. Amazing. <laughs> well, we, put, we believe in putting things into yes, the I universe put it in the here. Yeah. Put it yes. into the universe here. We like, yes. we always, I'm always telling somebody to do that on this show. It feels like, yes. like just put it into the universe. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely putting that one into the universe. I want to be somebody's book club pick. I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. Just people drinking wine. Mm-hmm. Talk about your book. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Yes. And invite me. You know, if you're gonna talk about a book, invite me. I'll come. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone interested in your work? Um I would tell them first, if you're thinking of if you're going into this thinking that you're gonna make a ton of money then this isn't the career for you. Mm. Um, Writing has to be a passion. Anything involving romance and writing particularly has to be a passion. Even though romance is a $2 billion industry, people don't respect it. Because it's Um, predominantly focused at women. Right, because it's women and people think it's not serious literature, which is not true. Mm -hmm. Um, It deals with so many serious topics and, and things in a way that is universally relatable not just to women but just to everyone right um but if someone is interested in one you gotta realize that it's not about the money it's about the art until you even if you get a thousand no's and I'm telling you from my own experience even if you get a thousand no's all you need is that one yes Mm -hmm. um for you to feel validated and feel seen and feel like your words matter and also that, you know, whatever you write, um, whatever you create, there's an audience for it. Don't think that there's some, there's not some, no, like nobody wants to read this. There's somebody out there that wants to read this because they're you're waiting for there. it. Like they're waiting yes. for somebody to, 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 to write that thing that they want to read. Yes. Yes. Your words matter. Your experience matters. Mm. Uh, what you produce, the art that you make matters. So if you can encompass all of those things, then you're on the right path Um, and just keep honing your craft. I'm not a person that says write every day or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, but just, but do study, do take notes, do, you know, keep your, you know, eyes and ears open to changes and in the industry and, you know, what you feel like is important to you. 
hold fast to those values and don't let anybody change you as far as your writing is concerned. Because somebody might be like, well, they don't, I don't feel like this is marketable. You know, that's, that's subjective. You know what I mean? Because one minute this might be hot and popping in the industry. And I'm talking about potentially traditional publishing, Mm -hmm. Um, self-publishing, anything pretty much goes in the world of indie. But um, if you're interested in being traditionally published, um, do realize that if, even if somebody tells you no, even if they say it's not marketable or anything, that's not true. There's always somebody out there interested in your mm-hmm. story and that it's something that is going to be appealing to everyone, whether you know it or not. Right. So, right. And yeah. when they do give you that, yes, you still have to be cognizant too, right? Because yeah, um, cats will be like, oh, well, because this is such a niche, whatever, you should only get this much or that much. And they'll try to like lowball the shit out of you, especially yeah. if you're a black writer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we've we seen that in the whole, you know, publishing paid me type of uh, hashtag that was going around mm-hmm. and you know, you're shocked that a person like, say, Roxanne Gay, mm-hmm. who has all these amazing books and stuff. Well, he is a layman. How he got done for freaking a fucking modern classic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Insane. What? I was like, how many dollars? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that shit is your magnum opus. Like, are you serious right now? Right. Wow. They're amazing. like, yeah, they only pay me like $2,500. I'm like, what? Like, this yeah, is, man. that's wild. There's always a scam behind a really successful author. (laughs) Somebody fucking scammed them or tried to while they were on that road to getting to like the Pulitzers and getting on the list and getting getting that love from Oprah and them. You know what I'm saying? They they had to they had to slide through some shit. (laughs) Yeah, they really did for real. For real. Hmm. So when you see these people on these these New York Times bestseller lists. Some of, you know, they say it's subject, the, the list is controversial and stuff. It's mm-hmm. a whole nother, another topic. The way that they do the math on those. The way that they do the math. math and stuff on that is just real crazy. Mm-hmm. But do know that some of those people on that list, they they went through so much crap to mm-hmm. get to get these books seen and, 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 you know, published and appreciated and talked about good or bad, you know, right. Right. they went through a lot. Like people don't wake up and become um, J.K. Rowling, even though she's a piece of shit. But like, probably not the best, but she's a piece yes. of shit. But yeah. um, she ain't wake up that way. You know what I'm no, saying? No, she didn't. She, no, she, she didn't. I to... mean, for for all her faults, she's a woman that grind. I mean, she was grinding. You know what I'm saying? She had like twelve rejections on Harry Potter. And it's wild and so- because, like, I saw I saw this. Um, they had uh, like a installation type of a thing about her thought process and her inspirations for a lot of what ended up becoming all of those books. And mm-hmm. it was so detailed and so many things you just, you know, especially for, like, I'm not a fan like that. I've never read the books. I probably won't now, but you know, I've seen the movies, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, just the complexity and like all of the layers and all of the shit mm-hmm. and the kind of mm-hmm. uh, research that she did to to generate these books. It's, it's wild. It yeah. sucks that she's a garbage human person, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, there's no denying she created a phenomenon and like she did the work to get get to it. It wasn't just her farting it out of her butt. Not like yeah. everything she says now. 
yeah, yeah. And it's so and that that's when it becomes painful because you're like this this shitty person created mm-hmm. this amazing piece of art, and we that we means that so with, much to so we see many. that with so many of our faves. I don't even want to name them, but yeah, you know, man. we just we just see so many people who are like shit terrible people, mm-hmm. but they make incredible art, whatever right. it is. And, and it's kind of like, like, damn, I don't want to put no money in your pocket because you're terrible. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I yeah, I can't, I can't do it. Like, uh, yeah, like it's disappointing it is very, very. disappointing it's like ah oh, you mm-hmm. can't like nobody bro <laughs> <laughs> i gotta give it a few like months like if, if somebody's real hot and popping yeah and like whether it be an author a musician anything i'm like okay i'm gonna wait, wait. Down, down, and then i'm gonna see if anything crazy pops off with this person if not then i can go ahead and, and, and enjoy whatever they're producing because <laughs> you, you're because the, when they when they inevitably disappoint you because you should never ever like check for people that hard anyway because they will mm-hmm. disappoint you just in general but mm-hmm. when they inevitably do it and you were like oh man <laughs> i said yeah. nice things about this bitch <laughs> yeah yeah but but you know what sometimes the writing is on the wall the, the hints the little hints are there mm-hmm. here and there even in the art it creeps in the art it here does. and there sometimes i mean even jk and her mm-hmm. homophobia and stuff the homophobia some was, her anti-semitism some, some of that a, was in the, a, in the song art. of racism to spray on the top because mm-hmm. none of the black characters in, in those movies had a word to say. Right. So <laughs> the one you, know, that you could find. Yeah. So some of that stuff was sprinkled here and there. You just uh-huh. like, oh, okay. I see it. It was already there. I was just blind because I was so enjoying the rest of it. But now mm-hmm. I see. Yep. They always tell on themselves. Mm-hmm. Either in the music, they tell on themselves in the art. Like, yeah. Case in point, what's that dude? Freaking strunken phallus. Um, <laughs> Woody Allen, his movies oh, are terrible. Yes, They've always been terrible. That boy don't told on himself on in every single every, movie. Yes, but yes, tell me more yes. about the violence of the Oscars this year. Oh God, Great. Jesus! Give me a fucking break. Oh uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. Oh, oh no, we good. Last week, we good. We good. Thank you. No more hot takes, please. <laughs> but I, but it's it's the it's the hypocrisy for me though that's yes. that, that's all i'm gonna say about that absolutely all right mm-hmm. so my next question what mm-hmm. is the worst job you've ever had oh my god <laughs> let me tell you the worst job i've ever had i was a uh shoe sales girl oh, at a footlocker oof and the Foot Locker that I was a, I mean, I'm from Atlanta, from the east side of Atlanta. The Foot Locker that I worked in, like, it was very popular. Oh. And the it was some young guys who actually owned this particular franchise. And it was me and maybe another girl in there. And, and this is two things that happened in the job. First time I realized how colorism works mm. and stuff. And two, I saw how like drug dealing economies operate. (laughs) Listen, I'm gonna tell you the story. So anyway, it was a job I had in between college because I always had like a job during the summer. Mm -hmm. And I think this was my summer of my my freshman year. And I worked at this this Foot Locker in in Eastside and these young guys that opened this Foot Locker. And at first I was doing really well. I had like a lot of sales and stuff. 
especially on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, the drug dealers would come in with their girlfriends, baby mamas, with a knot of money, and was like, look, I want the newest J's, I want the newest this, newest that, blah, blah. And then somehow, like, I was noticing, like, the inventory was getting kind of low, and I was like, okay, so what's going on? So apparently the owners were like, even though they own this franchise, they, you know, sometimes they would hold stuff for certain people and stuff right. like that, and right. it, was just, it was wild. So Anyway, me and another girl worked there. She was much younger than me. She might have been 16. I was like 19 going on 20. And she was light skin, long hair. You know, girl, me, I'm brown skin. You know, at the time, I think I had like braids or something. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I was getting, instead of me getting sales, I'll get pushed further and further away from the sales floor. Mm. And so um, they were like, well, you be the cashier for the day. I'm like, All right, cool. I can handle the money, you know, whatever. Then after a while, I was like, okay, you stock. Mm. And I was like, stock. I was like, I, I came here to like make money. I came here to like, and I was doing good with my money, like making sales. And so I was like, but you put XYZ old girl out here. She don't got no, like I had sales experience. I was like, right. she don't have any like sales experience whatsoever. Well, you know, you know, she's, you know, she's good for the, you know, the, 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 you know the young kids like her she's a hip on I'm like dude I'm only a few years older than her right like you're trying to talk a, to me like I'm 47 right already. like I'm 40 some years old dude that time I was like 20 mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then they hired another light-skinned girl mm. and then I was like oh I see what's going on you putting them in the front making them wear like the little tight you know striped shirts mm-hmm. I'm in the back you know I'm saying uh stocking shoes with the other black guy that's in there. Mm. And I quit. I quit like a few weeks later. Wow. Trash. Yeah. Worst job ever. I, I never do. But I will say the bunny was good when it was good. Like drug dealers, they, they drug they, dealers they, will make it rain. Once they, they make they it rain, coming. you know what I'm saying? They, you know, like, they got their side piece and their baby moms and everybody and else coming and to get new kids. And then look, sometimes you'll see the same dude come in there with two different, different girls. One girl, two different girls. And you just don't say that. Like, hey, what's up? Oh, you want some shoes? Okay. And it was just yeah. gas too, because how easy was it for them for him to buy their compliance? Like with kicks, like boom. Yeah. It was it was <laughs> horrible. I was just like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, so you like paying, I don't know if he's paying the drug deals for protection with shoes mm, or what, possibly. but probably selling stuff. Me. Stuff yeah, like that, you know, stuff that fell off the truck and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't even, I don't even think the store lasted that long. Yeah, in that area, of and course, probably, not scamming. They was probably uh, doing scams. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's always scamming season is always, always in vogue. Always, especially <laughs> in Atlanta, it's always robbing season down here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like I, I had said last week. There's two things that are always certain: gooning season and robbing season. Exactly. Season came early this year. <laughs> yes, it really did. Oh, oh we, man, we slapping bitches at award shows. We wilding, wilding, wilding. All right, Child. okay, we doing it. We doing it. <laughs> Let me keep my head on a swivel. <laughs> yes, and yes. especially because people ain't been out the house in three years, so yeah. there's no yeah. behavior. Nobody yeah, has any are, behavior. Yeah, nobody knows how to act anymore outside. Like, like people are like doing stuff that they really should not be doing out in the street. Like, there's broads digging in their butts and stuff. And she, I'm like, you know, you're not on your couch, beloved. And someone is filming oh, you. Like, I know. Outside I know. is trash anyway. It's always been trash. So I like it in my house. And that's where I'm yes. at. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Hey. So, my last question. Okay. 
what is the best job you've ever had? The best, this is going to sound corny, but the best job I have is being a mom. Aww. <laughs> okay, I love that. The best job I have is being a mom, you know, and you know, you was there. I mean, you was my friend, you know, what's up because the pregnancy yeah. was very difficult. Yeah. She came out one pound, 12 ounces. We didn't even know mm. she was going to make it. Mm. And so for her to see my daughter that's now flourishing, flourishing. How old is she now? Six, almost uh-uh. seven. Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah, she's six. <laughs> oh my God, she's, she's a formidable six. little woman. She was yes. a fighter out the gate though. So. Out the gate. And so, you know, seeing her thrive and flourish and reading on like a second grade level. I love it. All kind well, of she's stuff. Brilliant. Of course she's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I will say she got the reading gene for me for sure. But yeah, being a mom is, 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 is the best job thus far. And I will say, in addition to that, and I don't want to have, and this isn't to say it's wrong, but I don't want to wrap my whole identity up into being a mom. Of course. But I know that when she sees me here pursuing my passion for writing and, you know, doing the podcast and, and, and immersing myself in romance and mm-hmm. romance culture and, and, and pushing the culture forward, hope she sees that I kind of leave my mark. The babies notice. The babies definitely notice and they carry that. Like you're her first example. So like by doing things that benefit you and ultimately her in the long run, because that's the thing. Some people get like twisted. Like I'm not a parent and never will be. But (laughs) (laughs) but, ain't that wrong with that either. Ain't that wrong with none of it, baby. Mm -hmm. Choices. Yay. Yes. Um, So, but what I find is the the kids whose moms have turned themselves into martyrs, mommy martyrs for the babies. Those are the ones who are out here getting played to the left by Junior and Biffin them, mm-hmm. talking to them all crazy when they when they feel like they know something about something. But the mm-hmm. children of parents who are out here going, you know, riding around and getting it, those babies, especially when it's something like cerebral, it doesn't even have to be that. It could be like soap making or something like that. Yeah, kids see it they acknowledge it they know what's possible they know that there's no limit to anything and that we all contain multitudes and we could just do whatever the hell we want because that's pretty much the key takeaway for this entire um pandemic hellscape nonsense fest it's whatever the hell you want do whatever you want yeah i think particularly this pandemic you know, for some people, like they were stressing, they were bugging. They're just like, oh my God, I can't, I gotta stay in the house. I can't be around people. Oh Lord, what am I gonna do? I can't go to work. I can't go in the office. Let me tell you something. It was the most it's the most freeing time for oh, me. What a t- it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I know during this <laughs> pandemic, it just made me like more introspective, made me realize what what I value, mm-hmm. what I think is important. Like I said, I put myself first, I put my happiness first. I turned 40 right before the pandemic. So when mm. I made the decision to do what I want, I said, look, I'm, I I can't go into this next phase of my life regretting things and doing things, you know, not doing what I wanted to do. So I said, to hell with it. I'm going to just go balls to the wall and see what happens. So I want I want to at least be able to set that example and be like, don't be afraid to do what makes you happy because it's not Absolutely. always about the money. It's not about the prestige. It's not about any of that. It's about being satisfied with what you're doing on this earth. Amen. You know what I mean? And not not feeling like you had pressure to succumb 
to somebody's you know idea of what you should be right and the thing of it i mean we're black ladies everybody's already decided who the hell we are so why shouldn't we define ourselves for ourselves at this point like Mm -hmm. again do whatever the fuck you want as long as it's not hurting you or anybody else who gives a shit (laughs) it's just the brand over here like exactly like it's 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 so fraught to be a woman period and but a black woman is like you know the low-hanging fruit of misogyny is always in full effect and we get it from everybody we get it from our own folk we get it from everybody so like why not be take up space and do the stuff you want to do and just go out there and get it (laughs) yeah just get it with no with no regrets and and you don't have to tell any you know like you don't have to explain anything to anybody it's your your journey so like Mm -hmm. who the hell cares yeah I I thought at first like when I decided I didn't want to get my doctorate I thought people would think I was a failure and I met a woman who's actually a a a historian and she um, Dr. Margot Hendricks she's a historian Mm -hmm. and she writes about romance and and the kind of history of romance and race and stuff things that I'm interested in Mm -hmm. and I mentioned to her I was like you know Dr. Hendricks I I feel so bad that I dropped out of school maybe I could have made a difference but she said uh stop stop right there she was like do not ever say that you regret putting yourself and your needs first mm-hmm. if you want to go back to academics it'll be there it's, it's not like it's not gonna be there but in the meantime you do what makes you happy because right. life is too short so that's yeah it. and that's mm-hmm. really it because mm-hmm. i mean i i try not to think of the sheer mediocrity who of folks who just deal in mediocrity as their life <laughs> who are out there doing whatever the hell they want so and they can just get by just rolling I'm like just, oh, rolling. just rolling i'm like oh you suck here you are sucking again well or people, or people who get get by their, like yeah prosper and get by on their quote-unquote pretty privilege and, mm. and the rest of them is just boring mm-hmm. there's a lot of girls like that aka i ain't gonna say aka aisha curry she's boring <laughs> <laughs> sweaters on the beach mcgee who's uh, yeah, turned, I, turned I just, up the sexy like in her it. later years i was like mama you swear you went from which you know what it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind but it ma'am is. let's not act like you wasn't wearing sweaters on the beach and calling bitches who are dressed like you right now hoes that's exactly i said all did. of that for my husband well good for you for you you, you <laughs> human bowl of oatmeal with no sugar get out of here yes yes but you know you know I you know but all that to say you know it's just you can't you can't have somebody put you in a box that's right you know what I mean like you can't have somebody put you in a box you can't have somebody you know as particularly as black women say you're only allowed to do x y and z you know, that's right. Like we, we need to free ourselves from that mentality. Absolutely. I think a lot of us are locked up behind that. I feel I feel encouraged because the youngs could give a shit about all of that. They're like, yeah, look, I see my grandma and them struggle. I ain't about that. I'm not going to be a martyr. I'm not going to put my entire identity into parenting and wifing and all that sort of thing. I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. But what I will do out here is get to the things that I want and the things that bring me pleasure. And I'm like, I'm with that. Because, you know, we were always made to feel bad for choosing ourselves because we're supposed to take care of everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Not ourselves though, but everybody else, even in just general ways. Like I remember just being in the workplace. Um, the assumption was, oh, black ladies here, time for the mess to get cleaned up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. All kind yeah. Of, and then, like in big and little ways. I remember at one of my worst jobs, um, the the woman that I worked for, I was an admin for a number of years. So I was an admin for this woman who was just cats would come to my desk and be like, how is she today? Because she was one of these volatile, just cutting up and screaming and yelling and carrying on types. And that is not my ministry at all. <laughs> like a Miranda Priestley. Yeah. Exactly, but not swaggy in some like dumpy clothes, mm-hmm. a dirty ponytail. She wore a lot of turtlenecks. She oh, was, God. She looked forever really? unwashed. Like she, she could <laughs> literally never. I mean, at least Miranda Priestley gave looks. You know what I'm saying? This is true. And, and, and just beautiful coats, beautiful coats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. she was terrible. And she would like just be yelling and carrying on and everything else. And I remember uh, there was a point where the people who were doing the um, like maintenance cleaning up the joint were not like washing the cups or taking the cups out of the, the uh, uh, I was going to call it the washer dryer, the dishwasher, dishwasher and putting either. them away, right? So this woman going to come to my desk and talk to my black self and tell me that we should create like a chore wheel and you know, every day someone should empty out the the dishwasher and put away the mugs and put them in, loaded up with them every night and all this type of shit. Now, mind you, I was working crazy overtime. I worked at a financial um, communications outfit. So it was like during the earning season, it would be nothing for me to not leave out of there till 1130 at night. I knew wow. she had fallen and bumped her fucking head asking me this oh my shit. God. So I said to her, well, I don't think that's part of, of, of my job description. And if I'm not mistaken, we have a facilities team that you can reach out to with your concerns, because I know this company pays people for that particular task that I am not paid for. So maybe you should reach out to facilities. Hmm. And she was gagged because that was probably the first time where I was like, I'm going to put on my Claire Huxtable and gather this fucking bitch (laughs) for the one time. And right. for, she was good to try to show out in front of people whenever she had an right. audience she liked to show out and mm-hmm. I you know as we all know we always have to have grace and suffer fools and I wasn't for that shit that yeah. day <laughs> so yeah. I told her look somewhere else bitch because I'm not doing it <laughs> oh lord the, this expectation of, like, of labor of labor is just mm-hmm. insane it is bananas uh, at work or like uh, when, when I'm you know I had a former boss who just because I was young and black, ex- she thought that I was supposed to do all of the extra work that other people were supposed to do, or that I because at the time I didn't have kids, right. so of course I can stay late. You, you know, you can have kids. Of course you can you stay late. You don't have kids. Right. Well, I have a life outside of here too. You know what I'm saying? You don't know right. what else I have going on. Correct. Yeah, and I wasn't getting paid overtime, so. Mm-mm. You know, I'm not going to stay late and, and, no. and not get extra Because as it is, we don't, we start working for free by October every year because of the, the discrepancy and how we get paid versus the Yukubian man. So like, <laughs> we already fucking losing. So you want me to come in here and do free shit, free shit? No, no, no. 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 That's, no. And even like, even other ways where it was like those, those micro macro aggression type shits like I had a boss that would be like well which earrings should I wear today like I was her personal stylist I was like beloved <laughs> I, mean, I mean 
I know we're cool. I know we got style, but I'm not your stylist. Mm-mm. I was no, like, it's, it's, where would I be want? You get dressed in the morning. Right. And like, listen, the best thing that ever happened for me is to not have to think about what the hell I'm putting on. Like, I have embraced slob wear. I am slob couture <laughs> all day. I put on like a uniform of some sort of black something. And then I'll just, you know, business on the top for my, my calls or whatever. And then back to slob life right after it's done. Yes. Don't ask me any questions about fashion, babe. <laughs> like, yes. If it has an elastic waistband, I am on. Amen. If it goes right <laughs> under the boobs. Yeah, yeah boy. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Shoot. I pulled out, I think I pulled out my maternity leggings. I was like, hey, these joints still all right with me. No, nope. I'm going to keep wearing them. Let me tell you how I almost ordered some by, by, by accident from mm. um, Fabletics. I was trying to get some new leggings and they were like, you're a maternity leggings. Because, like, you know, when you sometimes, when you filter out um, the straight sizes and you just filter to plus, they will put a bunch of maternity shit in there. They really will. Which is yep. fucking rude. ASOS yeah. is notorious for that bullshit. <laughs> but that sure enough almost bought myself some nice maternity leggings because i would have gagged a little because they probably are the most comfortable ones they make they really are i'm I'm here to tell you just buy them because they are (laughs) the most comfortable ones they come all the way up to your bra that's what i'm talking about you don't have to worry about them joints rolling down they'll never roll down i love it i think i might (laughs) get them i'm telling you Well, that was my last question because as oh, usual, man. and mostly Max and other things, we go off and talk about the other things. Oh, man. That's it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Quick and painless. Oh, man. I'm used to interviewing people for like an hour. So I'm just like, okay, what are we going to talk about now? <laughs> we can talk about more stuff if you I like. Have, I don't have nothing else to promote. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't have no nothing to promote yet. Well, you will. And when you do, you are welcome to come back at any time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's been a pleasure. So tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on. You can find me on all social media. I mean, all social media from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, everywhere uh i had richard writes on it's a play on richard Wright. Mm-hmm. richard w-r-i-t-e-s-o-n um and my podcast has an instagram and a uh twitter at romance in color with a u color with you um we will be back after the spring like easter break so we'll be back april 22nd with a new podcast and as far as i am concerned i will have an announcement very soon exciting i can't tell you all what's going on but i will just say that my 2022 2023 is about to be very very busy that's what i like to hear okay well you know you gotta come back after you make your announcement Thank you. But you can catch it all. It's also all this information is on my website too, TatianaRichardson.com. Yes, ma'am. Well, this was wonderful. And I'm so glad that you came through. We finally saw yes. each other and spoke to each other in the I flesh. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't so believe this shit. But that, you know how common that is? Where I'm I out know, here like 
like standing down people's babies who I've never met. <laughs> right, right, right. And then the kid it, looks though. at you like, why do you, how do you know me? Like, how do you know my business? Like, oh my God, you where you why get it from, mommy? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, well, this is wonderful. And thank you so much yes. for coming through. And you. as I said, you are welcome anytime. <laughs> thank you. I will be back. And that was my discussion with the amazing Tatiana Richardson. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that I did. So now let's get in to these key takeaways. My key takeaway for this week is sometimes it's not a vast right wing conspiracy. Sometimes it's just not. By that, I'm talking about the BLM girls ending up on the Summer Jam screen again because of questionable spending with coins that they got um, from that long guilt money that they got in 2020 to the tune of $90 million. Um, They've getting aired out again for buying a $6 million house that they claim is supposed to be an influencer house for activists. An influencer house for activists. Okay, girl, I guess I've never been one of the uh, in of the belief that people who service the community should be living in ashes and cinder and living on the streets. I don't believe that you should have to, you know, be completely destitute to service the people. However, comma, if you do get a fucking windfall on your organization and you are in leadership People are going to ask questions about where that money going if they don't see it on the working levels of the org. So basically, the energy with them around being questioned about it is giving big scammer energy. I mean, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. The way that they went around buying this house is also sus. Like they had somebody else buy it and, and like some other weird like transference of the ownership after. It was just... All that wasn't necessary if everything's above board. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't got to do all this chicanery to to get to some property if you are doing everything above ground. Like, they out here hiring cats to do investigations on people who criticize them and all this fucking weird-ass, paranoid, scammer fucking shit. Like, look, y'all, look. (laughs) I just, please. And Patrice Cullors... Uh, who made sure to tell us that, well, she don't live in that house and she ain't in leadership no more and she ain't been in leadership for however long and la, la, la. Like, we ain't asked you if you lived there, baby. We asked you what the fuck happened to the money. Because as it is, she already got aired out for buying like four houses, whatever. But she decided she was going to do an iOS press release on Instagram. I skimmed it lightly. I don't really have a lot of time to, to, to read bullshit. But basically it was like, you know, uh, the ancestors whose name we chant have lived under scrutiny and la 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 and, and, you know, they were in danger and boop, boop, boop. But that's not what this is, though. She really was like, this is a smear campaign by the right wing and la la la. This was, this was in response to an article in New York Magazine. New York Magazine is not known as a, uh, uh, a fucking 
right-wing cum rag like the rest of the other shits. It's not like it was the post or some shit. It's fucking New York Magazine. All they talk about is pop culture and, like, local shit and, like, national shit that catches their attention. Like, you could have just... Mind you, in all them words, all that word salad mama put up, they want no answers. So that told me all I needed to know. But she decided to evoke the name of the ancestors. Let me tell you about that, though. A lot of them cats went to the grave fighting for the shit. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them got sent to the grave by the state or they got wrung out by financial instability and substance abuse and shit like that. But mama, you got full houses, book deals and speaking engagements. You got off light. You know what I'm saying? You don't get to to talk about you being under threat. Now, let me not let me not make it sound like it's not possible that they have been under threat. I know they have because the state don't like us pushing back against the bullshit they just don't and i know for certain as black women who speak up or just exist you're gonna get some fucking bullshit fine however that's not what this is babe don't do this don't do us like we know better and it's not cute like the people who work on the ground are owed an explanation especially since those people are struggling with housing insecurity health care and actually being targeted by the state like we never even really discuss how many activists have gone on to the fade mysteriously or at their own hand behind all of this fucking pressure that they've been under them cats is the ones that need the answers as to where this money going because the money ain't coming down it's just going up you know what i'm saying so like don't act like being accountable for your actions is an attack beloved that's not cute when the other guys do it it's even less cute when y'all do it do fucking better and that's basically that for this week mostly max and other things um i will be back hopefully with a guest next week who knows but any there, as always keep wearing your masks keep washing your hands and take care of yourselves and take care of others and i'll see you next week 